Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. A few years ago, the big fad was, what would Jesus do? Remember that? Bracelets, t-shirts, all those things that were part of that experience. Even Bible studies and whole groups of things were designed to call people to a greater and closer walk with God. But one of the things that it did is for some it became very legalistic. In other words, a set of rules, a set of laws to follow, a lot of chains to carry along. In fact, with some, it didn't really encourage Because it didn't really encourage you and I to eat with sinners. Because if you ask, what would Jesus do? Jesus ate with sinners. The statistics are clear for you and I. The average person that becomes a believer in Christ loses contact with all unbelieving friends within two years. That's pretty much factual. We get them in and clean them up, and they treat their friends from the past as if they weren't even there. But to be like Jesus, we have to acquaint ourselves with those outside these four walls. It's essential. Let's turn to Mark chapter 2 and begin at verse 15. It says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners. You know, it's a hard line, isn't it, to walk our faith and live our faith and be an influencer in the world. Paul calls it living in the world, but not of the world. And that's a hard line to walk. Because we know that it's called that we're called to live a holy, faithful life. And lots of times when we try crossing over to reach those people, we receive a lot of ridicule. And uh, one of my Music-loving friends, Ricky Skaggs, made that comment. As he became committed to Christ, he was still playing in places that some Christians thought he shouldn't play. But he was going to those places and, and sharing his faith. And he made the comment, he says, I wasn't a Christian artist. I was an artist who's a Christian. Same as I am today, my faith is more than a religion. It's my relationship with Christ. He was fighting that battle of leaving all of these unchurched friends behind or influencing them with Christ. He was walking, trying to walk that line, and he continues to walk it today, sharing his faith, living his life, but yet still playing to that other audience. The truth of the matter is, you and I have to do the same thing. We have to get outside these four walls, and we have to meet people 
who are uh, need to know Christ as Savior of their life. A few years ago, I was in a class with John Caldwell, who at the time was the preaching minister at Kingsway Christian Church up by Plainfield. And one year for Christmas, he got an interesting gift. He got dancing lessons. Someone bought he and his wife Arthur Murray dancing lessons. And they said, we went for weeks. And he said, we didn't know anybody when we went to the class. But by the time we were done, 14 different couples were attending our church. He took it as an opportunity to cross the line and reach some people that he would never reach any other way. My dad, who would be a little over, well, he'd be 101 this year. But growing up here in Brazil, he would always tell me, I don't want to catch you in the pool hall. And some of you who are older, the pool hall sits where the BMW license branch sits now. And it was a little old dingy building. And he would tell me, I don't want to catch you in there with those people. He believed in it so much, he bought us a pool table for our own house. He loved to play pool. What's interesting, after I got up and got out of the house, I said, what have you been doing? He said, oh, I've been going to pool hall and shooting pool with the kids. And I just kind of smiled, didn't think a thing about it. But there were young men up there in their teens and early 20s who had problems in their lives and problems in their homes. And my dad befriended those kids and gave them a positive influence while probably beating most of them playing pool. You know, he was on the shepherding team here at church. He was active in the Sunday school, and I'm sure the preacher at that time would have kind of frowned if he knew Wilbur was at the pool hall. But he did it, and he came home talking about what he had shared with these young men who were struggling. Who He only knows the rewards of that now that he's in heaven. But he stepped out of the box and he crossed the line to build friendships with young men who truly needed a friend and a positive influence. Happens a lot of ways. When I was involved actively with the National Wild Turkey Federation, the church I pastored in Terre Haute, there were over 20 different people who came to our church because of the relationship we built in a group outside of church. Just a few months ago, we had a funeral here at church and afterwards... Chris and I were invited to go to the American Legion to eat. And we did. And I saw people I'd known for years and visited with folks. And Dave Basinger came back and he says, you know, they were so impressed that you guys came and visited and talked with folks for so long. In that two hours, we probably did more among that group of people to improve the image of Jesus Christ in First Christian Church than many had done in years. And we began to build a bridge where someday maybe... Some of those people will come looking for this place, come looking for our Lord and our Savior. We all have opportunities to be like Jesus. We all have opportunities to cross the line and reach people for Jesus Christ. And we have to do that. So today, I'm going to share with you a few things about how can we effectively eat with sinners. How can we eat and be around people 
outside of Christ so that we can share our faith with them and influence them in a positive way to know that they need the Lord in their life. First of all, we need to be a person of integrity. When Jesus went into a room full of sinners and tax collectors, he didn't check who he was at the door. He didn't check his identity or his mission to plan to save the world. He took that with him. And you and I need to do that as we interact with others outside the church. I'm not saying going over and beat them over the head with a Bible. But maintain your character. Because just like Jesus was respected for who he was and how he lived, it's the same for us today. People look at our lives and they respect us for how we live and what we do. The people who were complaining about Jesus, the Pharisees, were known as hypocrites, spiritually dead, two-faced. But Jesus didn't listen to their comments. He says, I came for those who were sick. And he came for some of the sickest people of his day, tax collectors and sinners. How could he maintain his integrity? He'd been through the test. Forty days in the wilderness, he was tempted to do all kinds of things and get off course, but he stood his line about who he was and what his mission was all about. You see, integrity, it flows from honesty. And as you live a life of integrity, people are watching because folks out there are looking for someone to follow. And we can do it in a bold way. In Proverbs it says, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Our integrity comes from admitting our failures and giving Christ the honor of changing our lives. Because when you become a person of character, a person of integrity, you can lead someone to know the Lord. Secondly, you need to take the initiative. We're going to another tax collector story, this one from Luke 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He was the head guy and he had cronies that went out and collected taxes for him. He wanted to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. They complained about who Jesus was associating with. But the visit of Jesus to Zacchaeus' house changed his life and the life of his family. Jesus took the initiative. He looked up in the tree and he says, Come down, Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house today. You know, many folks walk through our lives without us knowing them or their needs. This is my friend Bill. Bill's from here in Brazil. 
His younger days, he was a great distance runner. He ran when people didn't run in the early 60s. He did it for leisure and for fun. He's a college graduate. He's a union bricklayer. And you know, as a kid, he's 14 years older than I am, but we spent many an evening fishing for bluegills and bass down at the Blue Hole and at McGregor's Pond. He's kind and he's sincere. And he's willing to help anyone. But many pass Bill every day without knowing a lot about Bill. You pass Bill every day if you live in Brazil. He rides a yellow bicycle. He has hair down to his shoulders and a white beard down to here. Bill's my friend. He's been my friend for years. And, you know, every once in a while I'll stop and I make a run to Kroger's to get creamer for cafe. And Bill's usually on the bench. And we sit down and we talk with each other. Just like we did in 1966, 67, 70. When he had short hair and was in great physical shape. And we share our stories. But the question is, how many people do you and I walk by every day that we don't know their story? We don't take that time to interact and know who they are and what's happening in their life. So in other words, you and I have to take an initiative to cross that line and meet these people where they're at. You know who they are. People you work with. The new couple that moves in their new subdivision. Maybe even the person that buys a car from you or you sell them something on eBay or on Marketplace. All of those are opportunities to touch someone for the, for the Lord. And we need to do that. And I didn't share this earlier, but I will now. When I was at Union Christian Church to show the importance of people outside these walls... I would tell them the most important person has yet to walk through the doors of Union Christian Church. Now, that's kind of shocking to a lot of people. I'm here and I'm a member. I belong here. Yes, but that person to walk in or needs to walk in is the most important person because they need Jesus in their life. And so you and I have to take that initiative to cross that line from time to time. Do it. You know, we kind of get in some sticky situations. I remember a couple of years ago I went to a, play music. I play bluegrass music, and I'm, somebody took my picture and showed up on the Internet. Right across the table from me was a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> but you know those people from that area? I get a note from them every time they want to play music. Why don't you come down and play music with us? And I go down and I play music with them, enjoy them, and I befriend them. They may not live the life I live, but hopefully I can share something from my life just by being there to make a positive influence. So we have to take that initiative. And the third thing is, is you need to make an investment. To eat with sinners, it's not always pleasant. Not always pleasant. It's not always convenient. That's like I talked about Bill. Last time I talked with him a month or so ago, he says, hey, Mark, I'm having some heart problems. I need to go back and check on Bill just to see how he's doing. Sometimes it costs us in many ways. 
might cost us some friends we already have. It might somebody cost us some gossip where somebody speaks about us. We don't know. And lots of times we never see our rewards. But it's important that you and I plant the seeds in people's life of what Christ can do for them. What they can do. In 1960, there was a little childless couple named Earl and Ruth Harrell who lived across the road from Dairy Queen on 340. And they saw my sister and my brother needed to go to Sunday school. And so they invited my sister and brother to Sunday school, and they took them to Sunday school. And eventually, a year or so later, my mom and dad followed them to Sunday school in the First Christian Church up on Washington Street, the old, old church. Little did they know that the youngest in the family would have an influence that went far beyond Brazil. They saw a girl and a boy and parents and one little guy that needed to go to church. Little did they know that, and I'm humbled by this, that Mark would be called to ministry. And out of the churches I pastored, I had one gentleman who, until he died, ministered among the Apache Indians out in Arizona. Held Bible studies and went on, on their reservations and dealt with them. Then one of my other couples that left and went to Honduras for a couple of years and worked in ministry down there. Or one of my former youth ministers who was called out of our church and now is a successful pastor. They didn't realize that in that moment they were preparing someone to influence numbers of people for the Lord. So you don't know that person you touch, what's going to happen in their life through their relationship with Christ, how it's going to multiply. And I share a story to close today about two missionaries, David and Svea Flood. They were from Sweden. And in 1921, they left Sweden to go to the Belgian Congo to be missionaries. They took their little two-year-old son, and they and another couple went there. And after a few months, they wanted to get away from the basic mission compound. So they went out to a little village and tried to move in the village, but the chief wouldn't let them. He didn't want a strange God talked about in his community. So they went up the hill and built two mud huts of their own in hopes that someday they would get to minister in that little village where the, king, where the local chief did not want them. He did relent, though. A little boy would come once a week and bring them fresh chickens and eggs. And he would come each week, and the only person they had contact with, and they shared the story of Jesus with that little boy and eventually led him to Christ. The wife became pregnant, gave birth to a little girl. And 17 days after she was born, she died. The wife did. The husband was devastated, and he was mad at God. He went back to the main mission compound, left the little girl and her brother there at the mission with another family. Two years later, the other family, both husband and wife, became sick and died. 
And then someone in the United States adopted them. And she grew up in North Dakota. Eventually went to a Christian college. And one day she happens to go to her mailbox and there is a magazine written in Swedish. And she looks on the front of the magazine and there is a white cross. And the white cross says, Siva Hood. Her mother. And she couldn't read what it said, so she went to the university nearby and got someone to translate the story that had been written there. And the story goes that about this mission couple who came and how their life was devastated and, and they left after the wife died. And the little boy that came and brought them eggs and chickens finally convinced the chief to allow him to open a school. And he opened a school in that community. And finally, the chief's heart was softened. And 600 people came to know the Lord. That's not the end of the story. With that in her heart, she's in her 30s by then. She wants to go back to Sweden and meet her father. Her father had totally turned off on God. He was an alcoholic and dying. And she went in and told this story to him. Your work was not in vain. All the trouble that you had wasn't for nothing. 600 people came to know the Lord. And before he died, his life was transformed once again back to a life of faith instead of a life of hate. But that's not the end of the story. A few years later, she and her husband went into ministry, and they were in London, England, at a giant church conference. And this fellow gets up and talks about the Congo and what happened in his life. And he says, we now have 110,000 baptized believers in our church there. And so she had to have it translated out of French, and she went up and translated. And this man who was a leader of all of these churches and Christians said, I'm the little boy that Siva Hood shared the gospel with. Wow, isn't that a story? From a little boy that came and brought them eggs and chicken so they could survive through the power of Jesus Christ had grown so many people. That's why it's important that we invest in others, that we share our faith because we don't know. Every soul is valuable to God. But we don't know when that next person we lead is going to be a person that God uses in a tremendous way to touch our world for Christ. I want to encourage you to eat with sinners. To get across and get out of the boundaries of your life and to let God work in a way He's never worked before. In closing, I want to ask you some questions. And I want you to think about putting names and faces together with them. So that when... You're in a situation with a bill. You can plant a seed 
that may make a difference, not just in the moment, but for eternity. Who's the person you've given up on? We all have those people, don't we, in our families, in our neighborhoods? People that we've just said, you know, I've tried and tried and tried and nothing's ever happened. They're never going to change. We all have those people. You may have given up on that person, but don't give up on God's ability to do something in their life. Think about this. How can I work to develop my integrity? How can I build this, not a holier-than-thou attitude, but how can I be a person that people want to follow in life? Ask yourself the question, who are the bills that walk by every day that need to know the Lord? Most of all, how can I invite someone outside of Christ into my life? How do you do that? You know, maybe if you live in a subdivision, you get new neighbors. We usually take our new neighbors cookies, have them over to eat, get to find out what's going on in their life. We want to encourage you to get out there, cross that line and walk that line that puts you elbow to elbow and side by side with someone who truly needs help. Remember, Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. And because of that, their lives, like Zacchaeus, were changed. Let's pray together. Father, it's my prayer today. We all have bills in our life. We have that person that works, the most obnoxious person who has no friends. We have others that people make fun of or fall down. We have people who have their lives all together but don't know you. It's my prayer today that we would eat with sinners so that you might influence them in a positive way. We just ask you, Lord, to speak to people's hearts today. Maybe someone's got someone they need to pray for, something they need to do, someone they need to reach out to. Give them the courage to do that. It's our prayer today that, number one, we become Jesus to people outside these walls. We just pray it in Christ's name.